everyone. Welcome to episode 8 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra. And I'm Christina. Today we're talking about the murder of Cindy Gladue. She was killed in June of 2011. The man accused says this was an accident. Let's dive in and try to piece together what happened. Hi everyone, it's Sandra here. I just want to give you a little heads up. In this episode, I say that Cindy was from Alberta, Edmonton instead of Edmonton, Alberta. And we had done it a few times and I just didn't catch it when I said it. But anyways, I hope that you enjoy this episode on Cindy Gladue. So before we start today's episode, I have to give you a little disclaimer for some sensitive and graphic content. I don't normally go into the more graphic details, but and with true crime, I feel a little as expected, but with this case, we have to go into it. So I want to start with some facts that I found off the Government of Canada's website, and I'm going to read to you straight off of their page from justice.gc.ca. And under the portion of Indigenous women homicide victims increased since 1991. Between 1980 and 2014, there were 6,849 police-reported female homicide cases in Canada. Among the total number of female victims, 16% were Indigenous women. Since 1991, the number of murdered non-Indigenous women has declined. In contrast, the number of murdered Indigenous women has remained relatively stable thus according for an increasing proportion of Indigenous female homicide victims. For example, in 1980, Indigenous women accounted for 9% of the female homicide victims, whereas in 2014, they accounted for 21% of the female homicide victims. In 2014, the rate of homicide of Indigenous women, and that's 3.64 per 100,000, was almost six times higher than non-Indigenous women, and that's 0.65 per 100,000. Those are some, I feel like those are alarming numbers. Yeah. And we also know that here in Canada, when an Indigenous woman does go missing, and um, whether it's missing or murdered, the detective work or the investigation that takes place is not like um, non, a white woman. Non-Indigenous. Yeah, I mean, you know, white women who do end up going missing or murdered do get more attention. Um, it seems like their investigation is more detailed. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, I think that I could back it up with facts. I don't have them, but um, I think that that is just something that happens in Canada. I mean, definitely with this case, that that becomes a part of it, and you'll see why as that happens. So let's begin this case, and this is the case of Cindy Ivy Gladue. She was a 36-year-old Cree woman from Alberta, Edmonton. Cindy was born on July 23rd, 1976, and she's the eldest of four kids. Cindy herself was also a mother of three, She had three daughters, Cheyenne, Brandy, and Brianne. Um, Cindy had fallen on some hard times, and she just couldn't make ends meet. So her mother, Donna McLeod, would end up letting Cindy's daughters move in with her. Cindy had begun working in the sex trade industry, 
And her family actually didn't know about this until they heard it in the trial. Oh, wow. Which I feel is so painful for a mother to hear this of her daughter. So a man named Bradley Barton, who is an Ontario trucker, would pick Cindy up on June 20th, 2011 for the night. And he he picks her up again on the following night. And unfortunately for Cindy, that was the last time that she would be seen alive. Bradley paid Cindy a reported $60 for the weekend and took her to the Yellowhead Inn where he was staying. Now, after engaging in, I'm going to quote this, rough sex, and because that's what Bradley said, she started to bleed on the second night and she went into the bathroom and he goes to sleep. He wakes up in the morning the next day. She was dead in the bathtub and he calls police. That's his story. Okay. So police get to the scene and they see Cindy's body and they actually detain and later will arrest Bradley for Cindy's murder. And I'm going to keep on calling it Cindy's murder. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Throughout the whole thing, just to let you know. Now, Cindy actually died from a tear um, in her vagina and it was 11 centimeters. Jeez. Okay. The, The autopsy will show that it's consistent with a wound that was caused by a sharp object, and it says, like a knife. Okay, so there. basically it's it's stating that it, it couldn't be a person. It would have to be an object. That it was not. That's story. what the autopsy said. Okay. Now, during the first trial, the defense says that Cindy's fatal injury was caused by a non-culpable act of homicide, which basically means that the killing... The killing of another person that isn't a, isn't criminal, but completely by accident or self-defense. And they're going with the accident part of that. Okay. Bradley says that Cindy and him, after having sex, while having sex, sorry, he used his fist. And that's what resulted in her injury. Cindy is a very petite woman. She was 110 pounds and Bradley was six foot one, weighing um, about 220. Now, even though this is a... It's a big difference. Right. It's a huge difference. I don't understand why we don't believe the autopsy and we're just going to believe him that he just used his fist and he didn't use another object. Right. Because the autopsy is saying it couldn't have been... The autopsy is saying it's a a sharp object. It's a sharp object. Right. Uh, So during the trial, Bradley says that he had in, quote, honest but mistaken belief that Cindy consented to him using his fist. He says that both nights they did the same thing. And he inserted his fist into her vagina, but on the second night, she started to bleed. And he also puts in there that they drank excessively. Okay. Now, the big problem in this trial is that the judge should have explained that Bradley could be found guilty of a lesser charge. It's very reasonable to think that Bradley should have foreseen that his actions could have hurt Cindy. And this would have opened him up to a sexual assault conviction. And I only say that because if, if I feel like if the crown had really hammered home that he had used an object, it's very easy to see how she could get hurt by this. Right. And, and him knowing that an object or anybody knowing that an object was used, was used could cause harm to a person. Absolutely. Because the law does tell us that people cannot consent to being harmed. Now, this still means that the Crown has to prove that Bradley intended to hurt Cindy. 
And really for me, this comes down to knife versus fist. I see the defense on if he used his fist, he could say, I didn't realize I was going to hurt her. Right. But if you use a knife, then you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I really think, like, why why didn't they believe that autopsy? What happens? And in courts, they have thrown out consent as a defense. In cases of voluntary, like, in the case of a voluntary fist fight, because we can't consent to being harmed. If there's, like, a lights out and somebody dies. Right. Now, here's a quote from Chief Justice Catherine Frazier. And remember, she's on Cindy's side. Quote, Is a prostitute not entitled to the same degree of protection as two guys fighting on the street? End quote. She called Cindy a prostitute. Yes, she did. And that's alarming to me. Like, she's being called a a prostitute. Well, at the trial, Cindy is referred to native, native girl or native woman, which is infuriating. Mm -hmm. And she's also referred to as a prostitute. So the defense, they call her a prostitute, which isn't very shocking to me. Right, because when was the trial? 2011. Oh, wow. Well, that is a little shocking. But I feel like for the defense, they want to, you know, make you look at her bad. Right, 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 right. But the Crown calls her this. Right. And hold on to your seats. The judge called her a prostitute instead of using her name. Right. Or no. saying a sex worker. I mean... No, but there's no reason for the judge to say the, no. the prostitute instead of saying her name. Right. No, you're right. You're no, right. Remember, her family didn't know that she was in the sex trade. Her mother, Donna, said that it was so hard to hear the word prostitute used instead of her daughter's name. Yeah. That's... It's and, very disgusting to me. I can't yeah. believe that they... They're really trying to take the face away from yeah. the uh, victim here. And they're just trying to paint um deviance really that's what they're doing right i feel like this is the whole justice system trying to dehumanize cindy yeah being a sex a sex worker and she was known to use drugs does mm-hmm. gets you very little sympathy in the court of public opinion mm-hmm. having everyone the people that you're supposed to as a juror listen to and look up to right having them say prostitute it's not helpful now here's another crazy thing that i found out happened at this trial the crown again they're supposed to be on cindy's side brought into evidence the preserved pelvic tissue so let me be clear her preserved vagina got brought into evidence they paraded her up there her dead body like disgusting Oh I read God. that it was the first time in Canadian history that it happened, and honestly, it never should have happened. No. By 2011, there's 3D technology and imaging, and they definitely should have gone another route. It's yeah, disgusting not... to me yeah. that this happens. I don't even understand the point of it. If we have all this technology, why, do, why does anybody need to see that? I don't know if they try to do it for shock value, if they thought that it would help. I, I, I have no idea... Cindy was a mother. Imagine sitting there as her daughter and seeing your mother's body parts. Yeah. I have no words. I don't even know what to say to that. Another thing that sort of infuriates me is that we can 
always bring up the victim's past. Her, you know, what she did for work, being a sex trade worker, and everything that happened, it was very easy for Bradley to go on the stand and said, well, she consented the night before. We did the exact same thing the night before. Mm-hmm. But you, can, you can't bring up the accused's past. You know what I mean? Like, we just did a case with Allison Parrott, and he had raped two girls before Allison, and you couldn't bring up his past of the things that were so similar in Allison's case. Right, right. And that to me is like, why? Why can we always say everything negative? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, this does work because Bradley is acquitted of first degree murder. And there were many protests, obviously. Mm-hmm. I am going to play you a little part um, of one of the protests from Cindy, okay? So I'll play it right now. Okay, so that's just a, a little clip, and yeah. it's true. I mean, her body was used, and... It was paraded around It was in paraded court. around, and they didn't get to give her a timely burial. And I don't know, because it's... I mean, he was acquitted, so does that body part stay there as evidence? Do they not get I, I to even know. bury her? I, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that, but I would assume that they wouldn't be giving it back to the family. No, I would assume. I mean, for her to say that they can't bury... Right. It's absolutely awful. Now, Bradley does get charged again, and this time with manslaughter. Okay. His charge is unlawful act of manslaughter. If it's proven that he committed sexual assault, and he should have realized that he could hurt her, he would be found guilty. The judge has to make sure that the, the jury won't stereotype Cindy based on the fact that she's a sex worker... Or because what many believe, and frankly what I believe, because she is indigenous. Right. That's not an easy feat mm-hmm. to do, even in 2011, because that's when this was. Right. He was acquitted. He was acquitted of the manslaughter. He was acquitted of the manslaughter. Now, with this case, it could be unclear what his intention was, but I firmly believe that Bradley meant to cause her harm, and that's what resulted in her death. 
-hmm. I think it's important to get out these cases of Indigenous women. But unfortunately, it's really not easy. There is not a lot of information on them. I'm going to try to get you guys more. I don't know if that's going to happen. But after the trials, there was talk about changing what consent meant in the law. The Supreme Court of Canada was looking into revamping some of the laws of consent, and there were protests right across Canada. And I feel like with the law, the way it stands, it should have been sufficient. I believe that a knife is what caused her injury, and it was on the crown to drive that point home. Who would have consented to having a knife used? And even if she was too intoxicated or too out of it, that proves that she didn't consent. Right. And also, I think that this case caused a new order, should cause a new order to warn judges about stereotyping, especially of Indigenous sex workers. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure putting in like a new order or talking to the jury would actually help because we know that society devalues sex trade workers already on the face. Right. And they are the most vulnerable. They're one of the most vulnerable people. Yeah. And really indigenous women. I mean, there's something to say about them, the amount of women who go missing and how their cases are handled. Right. I just don't feel like they are as, I don't even know if to say they're not as valued. I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, I think that if you talk to the families of the missing and the murdered indigenous women, they will say that they're not valued. Um, and clearly in this case, it was, to me, it was very clear that her life wasn't of value. I mean, if you're parading no. her body parts in the courtroom. The, and it's like the more research that I do on indigenous cases, the more I find injustices in their cases. It's clear across the board, like indigenous woman goes missing. We either have no information. Right. We just, we don't know what happened and it's kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. you shrug it off and say, I don't know. Or it just, it seems like it was mishandled. I heard a case, I can't remember, it might have been on another podcast. Um, And they said that once they found out that she was indigenous, they stopped talking to her. Or they gave her, like, information differently. I think it was um, True Crime Canada or Canadian True Crime. Okay. That's, I think it, she did a, an indigenous case. woman just yeah. recently. That's the case I yeah. think it was. I mean, they're just, it's all over the place. You know, sometimes when you hear indigenous women go missing and the cops don't open up um, an investigation right away or they don't send out an alert right away because there's always this assumption that, oh, well, they're indigenous, you know, so they probably ran away from home or... Yeah. They're in the sex trade and, you know, they need to go and make money or whatever it is. Yeah. There's always an assumption made and time is wasted. Especially with younger girls. I'm thinking if you're, especially if you're underage mm-hmm. and you go missing, they should open a report no matter what. It, what does it hurt? I don't know. I mean, I know that they now, I think in the last five years, they are starting to reopen these cases and look how mishandled they were. I'm not sure that that's going to do anything. I mean, I think that hopefully for some families they do get answers. Because there are still a lot of indigenous women who are missing. And um, their bodies have never been found. Or their killers um, have never been 
charged. So I hope that these families get answers. Um, but I really hope that our system just changes. Me too. That's the case of Cindy Gladue. I know it's not one of our regular, you know, murder cases, and no one's actually serving time for Cindy's case, but I'm still labeling this the murder of Cindy Gladue. In my opinion, she was murdered, and that's that's it. I'm not changing that. Yep, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so thanks for listening. Follow us on IG at sisters.coffee.and.crime. And on Twitter at sisters underscore crime. Um, This is Christina. And Sandra. Talk to you soon.